Blog Talk Radio. As of the 1st of October 2019, in South Australia, a new law was passed that allows a public servant to enter, remain, inspect, or use reasonable force to break into any premise, place, vehicle or vessel. This public servant can remove items from the premises to be used as evidence in future, and a warrant is not required if there is a suspicion, just a suspicion, that a vulnerable adult is at risk of abuse. Matters will then be directed to a court or tribunal that is not bound by the rules of evidence, can determine matters as it thinks fit, and can reach an outcome, just, on the balance of probabilities, not beyond, reasonable doubt. Victims often, end up a ward of state. The public guardian and public trustee, are often placed, as the ultimate decision maker, and, take over all affairs. These laws, are expected to be rolled out in other states next year. Are you scared yet? Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley, the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the DS Radio Network. Good evening, everyone. I just, I tear up just hearing her voice. We miss Marty so much. She passed away April 1st of this year, and she has left us a legacy that she has asked us to build upon, and myself and Reverend Ralph, along with Marcia Joyner, are going to be doing that, and along with Marcel Reed, who's the biggest part of everything. Um, our shows tonight are brought to you by Marcel Reed and Whistleblowers. We also are um, by ASGA, which they're coming on tonight, the Australian NASGA, National Association to Stop Guardianship Abuse. And we also are sponsored by Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page. And if you have not been to that Facebook page, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. So we have a lot to talk about in about 20 minutes. We're going to have a few people from Australia calling in. We're going to get an update from Australia, and we're going to do something really silly. I was not aware that that many people didn't actually understand the geography of Australia, and there is this coronation coming up of Prince Charles, and he's going to be the king. And how does, is he the king of Australia? What's going on? And so we also have a country right next to us, Canada, that's kind of in the same boat. So Chris is going to set us right because we even had a senator who thought Australia was a U.S. territory. So obviously we don't all know, and we all thought it was common sense, but it's not. So we're very excited to get a geography lesson about Australia and to hear about all the updates that are going on in Australia. Reverend Ralph and I have some really exciting news that happened yesterday in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. An article about guardianship abuse actually was able to make it through on the Philadelphia Inquirer, and it also was picked up in many different mediums um, across the Internet, and it's been shared a ton. It's, it's just so exciting because it is going to be a jury hearing that is going to be happening, and they're going up against Feliciani and Dietrich. They're two attorneys that are featured on Montgomery County, um, shenanigans in Montgomery County often, and they definitely running rackets. And in fact, that's what they've been charged with, racketeering, running rackets in Montgomery County and Bucks County. The woman who, who is filed this um, lawsuit, 
she had to appeal it all the way up to the state Supreme Court because it kept getting tossed out. Her mother passed away in 2012. So we're looking at over 10 years have gone by. And this, whoever this daughter is, their names are not being released. All we know about is a last name named Holman. That's all I know. The, the names of people involved are not being released. But we do know that she must be mad and she must have some money to go after them. There will be a jury trial. And what's really funny is the attorneys in their quote said, we know that we did nothing wrong and we can't wait to be exonerated. Well, let's wait to see if that happens. They are being accused of racketeering in a total of 11 cases. We do, we are scoring um, all over shenanigans to see what other cases are um, showcasing these two working together. They usually were always appointing a guardian named Aaron McDevitt, and we're going to go and find some of that, and we'll be reporting back on this. We don't know when this jury trial is coming, but we are so excited that the magnifying glass has been put on the corrupt, corrupt county of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, and that maybe, just maybe, we're going to have a little justice out there. But before we talk about Australia, we have Reverend Ralph on the line, and we, Ralph, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. You have stood by myself and Marty for almost two years now, coming on, helping to expose every every single Friday, and I don't know what I would be doing right now without you, and especially with Marty's passing. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you and how much all the listeners just love you. But Reverend is going to be doing a thought of the week. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Reverend Ralph. Thank you so much for being on. Well, that's very, very kind of you, Cos, and I appreciate those compliments. Uh, and good afternoon, good evening to all the listeners uh, in nationwide and worldwide. Uh, just a couple of thoughts, and I think the people would be interested. Uh, this week on Monday, I had a very, very nice uh, introduction to the district attorney of Bucks County, Matt Weintraub. And also the brand new attorney, or yeah, attorney general of Pennsylvania, Michelle Henry. They were at the Delaware Valley College in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, on Monday, and they had a couple of guests, and they were talking about drug addiction and the uh, wide use of fentanyl and some other drugs. And they're very much involved with trying to get programs to the public on how to deal. Uh, to get treatment instead of going to prison for drug use. So at the end of the hour and a half uh, discussion, I went up to Matt Weintraub, the district attorney of Bucks County, and I gave him my business card, and I said that every county has nursing homes and guardianship abuse has probably infiltrated those nursing homes. And I said I would very much like to set up a meeting with the people that deal with uh, elderly crimes. And he took my card, and sure enough, his uh, dis assistant district attorney called me the next day, Tuesday, wow. to set up a meeting uh, to, uh, for me to talk to these people about it. And I thought that was very, very nice of him. And then I had a nice large packet for Michelle Henry, the brand-new uh, attorney general of Pennsylvania, <clears throat> and I gave it to her. Uh, while she was still on the stage, and she took it, and I gave her my business card, and I said, you know, please read the documents and close, and I said I would like to 
speak to her assistant to uh, to discuss this matter more because of how just how massive the epidemic of guardianship corruption here is in uh, Pennsylvania. So she took it, smiled, and I have not heard from her office yet, but, you know, she is the attorney general, and I'm sure she's very, very busy with all the uh, cases that she now has to deal with. So next week, if I don't hear from her, I'll give her office a little call, and we'll see what we can get from that. Um, one of the new things I would like to start doing on the show is we have heard from many, many people who have told us the most horrible things that they have gone through with guardianship abuse and what their loved ones have gone through. And it is you just can't put into words the pain that they are going through and also the financial uh, loss of what, has, what they spend their money on trying to get these people out of it. So what, what was I think I was thinking that from now on, uh, I like to hear, and again, my website is protectmyparents.us. I have a contact section. I would like to hear from all of the people worldwide. I would like to hear from you, and I would like to hear what you have, what problem, no matter how small it is, what problem have you encountered in your guardianship situation that you have found a solution for? What have you found an answer for that has worked? Because we know the deck is stacked against us. We know mm -hmm. monetarily we are spending our money while the guardian is spending the victim's money, your loved people. And basically it's a joke to them that they could just keep having their lawyer defend them until the money runs out and that's the end of the money. So it's really, we've got a lot of things stacked against us, and we have so many issues that we deal with every day that pops up. So this is why I would like to have a collection of as many problems uh, that you have gone through, the listeners, and your solutions, your answers. What has worked for you? What have you found that when they give you a problem, you have found something that works for that? And I think that would be a very good start on how to help people do a little bit better in their fight against what has happened to them uh, or to their loved one. And another thing, uh, I had a gentleman I was talking to a couple of times, and I must say, doing this show and meeting the people that have gone through these guardianships in the last 10, 15 years – I have met so many people that are just so smart, and they have helped me tremendously in what I have encountered as problems. And I won't say their names because I don't want to embarrass them, but it is really quite a bit of help that you have somebody you can listen to that will you know, give you some bit of information that they have found that works. And I think that's what I really want to try to get as many possible solutions as possible. And as I was saying, I was talking to a general. I've talked to him a couple of times. He's a listener in Illinois, and he's probably listening now. He has not seen his wife for three years, and he's living in his car. And this is something oh. where uh, he's dealing with a, uh, with a uh, guardian, and it's, it's something where they want him to take an evaluation, just like uh, Judge Weilheimer has tried to get me to take one, to prove I'm worthy to see my loved person. We talked about it a week ago. And 
This is something where I have said in no uncertain terms, I am not going to do it because I am not going to uh, take an evaluation, the same one that was given to my love person that I totally destroyed in court because these evaluations have no credibility. And this is what I urge with other people. The fact that what is the accuracy of the evaluation that your loved person was going to take, will be taking, or have taken. Because if the evaluation has no credibility and is being used to determine incapacitation, well, they might as well just flip a coin. And this is something that can help people in court. If they tell their lawyer, look, I have found out that the evaluation that's being given, especially in Pennsylvania, what is the independent proven accuracy of that evaluation? And more specifically, is it just a paper and pencil test that can be downloaded from the Internet, as the ones I have seen just simply are? Or do they have something to do with uh, showing common sense and knowing right from wrong? Because if these evaluations, the tests, or simply draw a clock or name as many animals as you can in a minute or something like that, that proves nothing. We want to see what the ability is of that person to be able to live in the least restricted environment, which would be the house with the family. And this is what some of the laws that are being written about in Pennsylvania, uh, the latest one is SB 506, which is, number one, the person living at the house and being taken care of by the family, not some stranger stepping in and taking ownership of the person. So if the evaluations have no credibility as drawing a clock or something, what's important, as I said, is the fact that do those, are there any questions in that evaluation that show the person still has common sense and he still knows right from wrong? that would determine whether or not the person can stay at home and not have to be concerned with, as opposed to maybe some minor things like shopping or something like that, or does the person need to be in a very restricted situation so maybe the person doesn't hurt themselves. So again, the evaluation, as I've said before, is very, very important to know the quality of it. And if a person who is listening now, if they mention that to their lawyer, the lawyer might find out that the evaluation has no credibility and therefore it's worthless to determine if a person needs a guardian, especially a guardian that's probably going to suck up the money and just ruin the victim. Another yeah. thing that I feel is important is uh, read the laws. Now, the laws pertaining to guardianship might be very vague and they may not really help you at all because that's basically the way it is nationwide there's not that many laws that are specific especially on what a guardian can do or cannot do and this is why gradually i think state by state they're going to start making these laws so there's like a, a backboard to what people with these guardians can get away with and i think it's very important uh to also find out if possible what are the rights of these people under guardianship? And that seems to be a very gray area. What are their rights? Uh, it is assumed that the guardian owns that person. Well, that's just beyond comprehension, that 
uh, another human being can own somebody. That's called slavery, and that was abolished in 17 or 1863. So if anybody says, uh, well, we own that person, uh, we decide that person what they do and what they can't do, well, keep in mind, then what can they do? Uh, can they sell that person uh, for prostitution? Can they make them do slave labor? Can they make them uh, sell you know, drugs in the inner city? No. Can they be beaten by the guardian? No. So if they're the cases, if, if a lawyer says, well, no, they can't do those things, the uh, guardian can't do those things, well, then the person has rights. And that is what's important to be stressed, that the person does have rights. And one of the things I have found that works best is to put that guardian against the wall is simply saying, how is the person better off now, medically, mentally, physically, financially, and their happiness, how are they better off now under guardianship than they were before they were guardianized? And if they're no better or if they're worse, like no visitations, things like that, well, then the guardian's got to go. And that's the yeah. most important thing. So I think if, if we can get people to contact me, give me their problems that they've had, no matter how small, and tell me what worked for you, I can pass it along on the show. And little by little, we can put the guardian, these corrupt guardians, into their place and protect our loved ones. So, Kaz, I'll send it back to you. Wow. Uh, Reverend Ralph, I'm getting messages. People have really received what you said as in a really positive way, and some people know about the person that you're talking about, and they really appreciate that you bring up the plight. There's something else I had promised somebody that I would mention, and we're back to Pennsylvania. Because of what's going on, this person said I could say their name, but I'm not going to. This is in Pennsylvania. They very well could be sitting in jail right now. But it seems like the new scam is, and Reverend Ralph, you're going to know this one very, very well, it's called civil contempt. And we have another person that is being thrown in jail in Pennsylvania. This is not in Montgomery County, so this is starting to spread like a cancer. This is another county in Pennsylvania that is throwing someone in jail. Possibly today I was told that there would be someone that could get a hold of me, um, but it's a civil contempt thing. This is a new scam. We are throwing people in jail with no evidence of their crime. Their crime could be as minor as taking a picture of their parents or something like this. We're looking at a visitation, supposedly a visitation violation. We're looking at that somebody blew the whistle when they were trying to put a gag order on this person. And this person now today was supposed to report for jail under civil contempt. There's no, there's no trial. And we're just throwing people in jail for something stupid like wanting to see their parents, wanting to expose what's going on with this. Reverend, Reverend, what do you think about this new scam of the civil contempt? Well, it's obviously using the court as a weapon. And somebody yeah. very famous for doing that uh, is a lawyer by the name of David Jeskowiak. He's a lawyer in Jenkintown. As we've said, when we talk about people and name their names, 
they are more than welcome to come on the show and defend themselves. Yeah. But so far, nobody has. Yeah. But it's tr- it's just so obvious that a judge or whatever is using the court as a weapon, and that is not the purpose of the court. And this is something where uh, it's basically civil contempt. It's a trial. It's supposed to be uh, the person's supposed to have the ability to present evidence to defend themselves, and basically that's never the case. The judge will ignore the evidence and simply say, no, you're going to prison. And the fact that uh, this is how ridiculous and absurd uh, some of the restrictions that these guardians put on people, such as not being allowed to see their husband or their wife, not being able to give them the glasses or their, even their dentures so they can eat food, uh, not allowing mm-hmm. them to have phone calls, incoming or outgoing. This, this is something, as I said last week, uh, under the Geneva Convention, prisoners of war have more rights. People in prison for murder and robbery have more rights than these people under guardianship. And again, to me, it's just human nature and showing the love that people have for their loved ones by wanting to see these people. And it's just not, it's barbaric to say, no, yeah. uh, yes, I'm, I'm, my job is to take care of you, but I'm going to deny you everything from uh, human needs, human contact, human touch, human voices with elderly people that could die at any time and saying, no, we're not going to let you have all those uh, abilities that basically, and again, uh, I found this in last week, in the Declaration of Independence, that famous line, you are entitled to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and that's something these guardians are denying these people. Absolutely. You know, today is the eight-year anniversary that Harvey Witten succumbed to his injuries sustained in an abusive guardianship that was orchestrated by Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. So, you know, those things come up in uh, on Facebook, you know, the memories and everything. And I, I do remember the date. And it's just, I can't believe it's been eight years. Uh, one other thing, we have, we do have someone who wants to ask a question. And then I know that Australia will be calling in around 730 Central time, that's what time zone I'm in. Anyway, one other thing. There is a group in Cook County, Illinois, and they there's a few people that are starting to know each other, but they want to have more. They want to have like what we have in Montgomery County, Reverend Ralph. Wouldn't you say there's a lot of us that know each other? Oh, yes. There's, a, there's a lot. And, and they this, are – I was just going to – Go ahead. It, I was thinking about this today, Cos. You know, firemen, they consider themselves a family. Police officers consider themselves a family. And we are a family. We have gotten to know each other, and I'm talking about nationwide and worldwide. People that are going through guardianship corruption, they have realized that there are so many people that are going through the same thing, exactly the same thing by these guardians, and we are a family. And this is what I want to stress to people you are going to be going or have gone through hell with what is being done to you and your love people. But by banding together, by staying together and thinking of solutions that little by little can help each other, we are a family, and this is what I want to help or have for the benefit of us, these our people that are going through this. And that's what I'd really like to see, more solutions. 
Yes. So the group is out of Cook County, Illinois. It is the Chicago area, Cook County and the suburbs. It's a very large county. If you are experiencing guardianship abuse in Cook County, Illinois, there are other people who want to connect with you. I believe there's, um, from what I'm hearing, there's, seems to, they're starting to see the pattern of the judge and the same um, attorneys and guardians and things. So I would say um, some of the great ways to get a hold of us so that we can connect you with people, you can find me on Facebook. You can contact Reverend Ralph at your website. Would you say that website address again? And you can contact there, and Reverend will get you in contact with this group. Would you say that website address, please? www.protectmyparents.us. There is that contact link at the top of the page. Please contact me. I'll be happy to talk to you, as I've done with many, many other people, and pass on any information to me that you think can help people with certain problems that we all encounter. Right. And so right now, if you are there in Cook County, I do want to mention one, I call her Warrior Mama, her name, it's the Justice for James Movement. It's Kane County, so it's right next to Cook County, but she's right there. And it is, she has just done an incredible, incredible job. It was a guardianship that, that murdered her two-year-old son. She's been on the show several times. If you want to go and find, just follow the hashtag Justice for James. If you are in that Chicago area, that is a very powerful group that you can connect with. They are Kane County right next door, kind of in the Rockford area. But I think that group is built to up over 30,000 people. So definitely get a hold of that group. I know they're on Facebook. But you know what? Before Australia comes in, we're going to take a caller real quick. Because I, I'm concerned if they're ha paying long distance, um, long distance charges calling in from Australia. So as soon as they do call in, we are going to cut the questions off so we can get them through. But hold on. We have area code 845. Area code 845, you're live and on the air. Hi, Kaz. And hi, Reverend Ralph. This is Elizabeth. I don't usually call in anymore, but I want to – because you proposed that people um, – you know, advise what, what has been helpful. I'm wondering if anyone out there, or, and specifically you, Reverend Ralph, because you do speak to so many people, you know, the basis of a guardianship is uh, presumably, in most cases, a false accusation. And that is considered fraud upon the court. And are you familiar with that term, uh, Reverend Ralph, and cause? No, I'm not. No. Okay, because good. fraud upon the court is um, if you can prove fraud upon the court or, I mean, it's even more difficult, but fraud by the court, sign, knowingly signing an order that the court knows is bogus and based on false pretexts or pretenses, this, if you can prove that, it would vitiate the whole entire proceeding and all proceedings because you cannot have a case that's based upon fraud. So when a doctor comes in, bought and paid for, says that the, per the patient has dementia, when in fact the patient does not have dementia, and you can prove it, and you can prove, therefore, fraud upon the court, you can file um, a motion. I'm not sure exactly how you would go about doing it, but it's, you know, the judge would have to consider, you know, it's an abomination 
that anything was transacted. There were, you know, filings for fees and putting people, get, you know, alienating them, isolating them, over-medicating them. Whatever they're doing based on fraud, that's not, that doesn't happen in a court of law. It's not supposed to. And therefore, look up fraud upon the court. If, if you can prove it, it vitiates the entire proceedings. If anybody can say something differently about that, please do so. I'd love to hear. This is Reverend Ralph. Wow. Thank you very much for calling in. I wrote it down, okay. and that is very, very important. Uh, yes. And this is something Remember, it's either fraud, by the, fraud upon the court by a doctor, by a lawyer, by a real estate agent, whoever, by, by a, a member of the family who is just, you know, has, you know, ulterior motives and doesn't even know that they're opening up a, a freaking can of worms to guardianize their family member. But it's also wow. fraud by the court. And that, to me, is a lot more serious when a judge knowingly, you know, signs an order that he knows or she knows is bogus or based upon they, bogus information. And okay. they do that a so, lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I really appreciate okay. that you called in. We do okay, have Australia you. on the line. All right, I'm going to go ahead and and um and um, mute you, and we're going to get so we don't have too many people in here. Just raise your hand again if you would like to ask some more questions. And let's see. Um, okay, got Chris. Are you here? Good evening, Reverend Ralph. Good evening, Cos. From Australia. Good evening, everyone. For calling in. I, this is my first Thank time you. to be doing the show and to find your phone number there from Australia to get you through, and I did it. Thank so you. you did a, I just you're, say, you're doing a great job, Cos. <laughs> I just want to say, and try not to cry, I just want to say that uh, that you all have been so supportive and so wonderful and just, like, really like doubling down and just letting me know that you are here to support us and to support Marty's radio show and to keep it going and to yes. keep this mission that Marty started. It's it's really sad that that it didn't finish and it didn't end that but we're gonna carry that torch. And you have yeah. just been such a blessing. We've gotten to know each other so much better just during all this like bonded in our sorrow. And I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all the supportive words that you have passed on to me. It means that you have no idea. It means the world to me. I'm going to try not to be the crybaby on here. Marty would never cry. Oh, my God. <laughs> but no, I thought no. we would start off. Marty, Marty. You have no idea. Yeah. I know. We miss her so much. Chris, people do not understand Australia is its own separate country. We were so – I was embarrassed when the <laughs> senator called you guys a U.S. territory. I thought, is there something that we don't know about? And also, you know, we're right next door to Canada. Mm-hmm. You probably know this because, you know, not everyone knows their geography. But we're right next to Canada. And now the, the King Charles stuff's going on. And Canada has, like, the queen's face on their money because sometimes their money, you know, when we're taking money, we get Canadian yeah. money. And so mm. could you explain to everyone listening, we, we assume that people knew this, but I guess they don't know this. So would you, would you explain when, oh, what is Australia and how are you connected to the royal family? <laughs> well, Australia is part of the, uh, well, it's an independent country, but it's part of the Commonwealth 
um, banner. So there are 56 countries that make up the Commonwealth. I think roughly about 56. Canada is included, as is Australia, and uh, you know parts of Africa and Asia and uh, the Americas and Europe and and, and the Pacific. But um, I think the senator. Um, there was a call out. Obviously, there was a was a hearing in U.S. Congress regarding guardianship, which is great, right? It's fantastic. Yes. And many of you know um, TS Radio members and others on Twitter contacted Asgar and said, "Could you please, you know, contribute to this to the Senate and to the inquiry?" So we sent off um, a submission in regards to Australia and the guardianship abuses we have seen in this, in this um, in, in our country, a Commonwealth country. And we sent it directly to the US uh, Congress, which they were, I think they were quite happy with. Uh, somewhere along yeah. the line, I think the Senator and others confused Australia as, um, well, they've usurped the country. And now we're one of the 51st, we're a 51st nation or 51st state of, of um, the United <laughs> States, which I thought was quite right. funny. Uh, I did but too. no, we're not the 51st state, I'm afraid, no. <laughs> um, yes. We are under the Commonwealth. Um, king Charles is, you know, currently our our um, King of Australia as well as King of, um, of England or the United Kingdom. And um, I don't know how long that will be. There are calls for us to... Um, uh, become an independent country in its own right, a republic. I think the same calls are um, are being voiced in Canada as well. So, uh, but no, no, we aren't. The, we are not the 51st state. Um, but it would have been interesting because I think the um, Australia was put on the map in that particular hearing. Um, it would yes. have confused quite a few people. But no, we're no, we're not part of the um, no, no, not part of the United States of America. We we're close to Hawaii, but you know, not that, that close. <laughs> Now, what is what is the population of Australia? I believe the population of the United States is we are over 300 million. Reverend Ralph, does that sound um, right? I'm going off the top of my head. It's about 320 million. Twenty million. Chris, we'll give you a couple of states here if you give us Australia. <laughs> oh, I'll give. I think we can pass on a few states as well. Um, we've got some really. I think the smaller states are really dangerous in Australia in terms of guardianship, and the larger states are not as dangerous. I think the the the, the smaller they are, the more I, would, I wouldn't say collusive, but there's a tighter networks with people working together. I think um, like we're a, we're a country. I think was it 23, 24 million people. So we're not a you know, compared to America, we're not that big, but um, um, we're definitely not part of the United States. Um, but I, I do, I think, I do see the smaller states like, um, for example, South Australia, uh, Tasmania, um, and even Western Australia, although physically sort of geography-wise is large, but um, it, it's, it's quite small in its numbers. There seems to be more of a... Um, guardianship um, and we see the same people the same names the same guardians all the yes. time popping up different 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 complaints same guardians um, and uh, we don't see that as much in and I, I'm, I'm in the state of Victoria and uh, as much as and my views are quite well known regarding tribunals I feel I'm in a safer state I think there's still some 
uh, checks and balances in this state, particularly with our court system, because we, these matters are never drawn into, never drawn into a court system. They're drawn into tribunals, and it's interesting your callers, too, uh, Reverend Ralph, fantastic in regards to solutions, discussing that. We we know what's yeah. going on, but rarely people talk about solutions, right? Um, how do we solve this problem? I think that's such a wonderful. I think people should join, you know, jump on your website and and really offer what works because. We're seeing um, we're seeing capacity as well. It's 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 the similar similar story. Capacity and legislation abusing people. Um, uh, who tests the person? What connections do they have to the state? Uh, what are the tests they're employing? What environment is that person being tested under? Are they medicated? Uh, have they been isolated? Um, can they? You know, there's and, and cognitive decline is not a crime. People do decline. Um, do they need to be guardianised? Do they need that uh, form of protection? And if they do, why are family, good trusted family members um, or, or supports, informal supports, being denied that right? Um, and why does the state have to step in? Um, in in, in our, my personal case, yes, there, there has been cognitive decline in our loved one and executive function impaired and so on. Um, but they play a card. We see this often um, in Australia, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the same, and Marty did, say, did confirm to me it's happening there in America as well. Um, capacity will be manipulated in order for the outcome. So the guardian will pick the test and pick the doctor and, and select the outcome. They've already determined that they want to take over that person's life. Yeah. So they will, they will select the appropriate doctor and the appropriate testing to prove their case that they should step in. So someone that might have a, um, like Bruce Willis, he has frontal lobe dementia. In Australia, um, if he was aggressive, for instance, towards, say, his, his wife, they would remove his wife and say, well, he doesn't want you. They'll use the rights and wishes card. If he loved his wife and loved his family and his children, they'll say, oh, no, we need to step in to protect him because there's undue influence. They will play the card that will take over, the, over, say, we're using Bruce Willis for, as an example, they will play the card that will suit them. And the legislation yeah. here is similar to America, very similar. Um, it's very vague, and they will pick the section that will allow them to step in. And we see this all the time. It's all well, the time. Yeah. It's always, they call them the friend of the court. And if you hear that term run, oh, the friend of the court, there's a friend of a court. They're always the attorney or they're always the doctor. And, yeah, the judge always chooses the, quote, quote, friend of the court. It sounds so pleasant. Remove the money. Remove the money, Cos. Remove the money and we'll see where that friend goes. Um, we've, yeah. we've come up with solutions here. We've, we have. We've come up with each case is different. So we see, for example, we have a young lady in South Australia whom the guardians there are targeting at the moment. And she has capacity. She has no money, but she's worth something. So we have a, an insurance scheme called NDIS. And property developers are setting up all these little homes everywhere and investing in these properties. But it's really they need people to fill those beds. So they target young, you know, over 18 young vulnerable people with packages, okay? So what they do mm. is they target someone and say, yep, remove the parents, remove the mother, the father. They love people that are divorced because they can use the conflict card and then they isolate these, these young adults and 
then take their pension and draw on this package from the federal government, this grant, okay? So they make money. So the, the owner of the property is happy, the, the government's happy, everyone's, everyone's feeding off this person, they've become a target. They have no assets, they have nothing, but they're worth something. So you've got that issue here. Then if you've, you have someone who's elderly, well, they're sitting on real estate, you know, pretty expensive, an expensive home or money or insurance, 401s and so on. So, you know, the, the incentive is to place them into either into hospice, into, into what we call an aged care facility and sell their home and then just slowly draw down on all that money. So you're worth something. So the elderly are worth something, the young are worth something in, in Australia. So they're targeted. Now remove all that money that they can't touch it. In one case, yes, the man has dementia. All they had to do was place a lien over that property. That, that property, the children could not sell it. No one could sell it until he died. Everyone left ah. him. No, he wasn't worth anything anymore. He wasn't worth anything. The lawyers didn't like that, did they? So, no, we can't have that. So they, they placed this gentleman in hospice and then basically sold his house and everyone get, then gets a cut of that pie. So if that house is worth a million dollars, $100,000 goes to, to aged care, $100,000 goes to lawyers, $100,000 goes to taxes. Everyone takes a slice of the pie. It's, I call it an inheritance tax. It's a tax by self. And um, look, look. If you if you're disabled in in Australia um, or, or vulnerable, you're in trouble. And I think in America as well. And yeah. solutions. There are simple solutions. So many simple solutions. And the first thing is the state um, and other providers and lawyers and what have you. If they cannot access that money, if they cannot make a dime, they're not interested. So remove the money, remove them profiteering and protect the person mm -hmm. if they're vulnerable. There are simple ways to protect the person. You know, for example, say for instance, I have dementia. Well, there should be a lien on my property. I should be able to live in my home. It's acknowledged I have cognitive decline. Um, there are checks and balances. Maybe my money is audited every year. $100, yep, everything's going okay. No one's stealing any money. And if someone does steal money, they're charged whether it's a child, whether it's a stranger, whether it's a neighbour, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's the government, they are charged. And the interesting conversation on fraud on the court, that was a great topic, you'll call it. Yeah, fraud it on the was. Court. Yes, it was. Because we've seen fraud on the court and nothing gets done. We've seen it. I've mm -hmm. witnessed it. I've witnessed it in many cases. People lying people submitting false um, uh, capacity reports, people caught on the stand, absolutely lying. Nothing gets done because in Australia you're reporting back to, their, back to the government and who's in control of the whole guardianship racket here? The state government. The government, but, yeah. I call it, you know, Caesar judging Caesar, yeah. It sounds very, it sounds a little yeah. bit familiar with what we are doing over here. I had another quick question as the listeners are doing. Would you tell us what does AASGAA stand for and when did your organization start and how did it start? Okay, AASGAA, which sounds really complicated. We might need to, to draw that back one day. Um, <laughs> um, Australian Association to Stop Guardianship and Administration Abuse an acronym that we sort of played off, off NASGA, N-A-S-G-A. 
perhaps yeah. we should have dropped a few eggs. We all we all keep saying. <laughs> um, um, and one day we'll sort of correct that. But um, we started in um, 2018. Um, okay. I met a lady in in Adelaide. Her name is Maria. Um, I was going through, my sister and I were going through a guardianship uh, process with our loved one. For legal reasons, I cannot identify our loved one's name or the circumstances. Um, right. But um, it, we, um, we were attorneys to our loved one and um, our loved one, by complete strangers, um, and we have evidence of this, was being uh, taken advantage of. And we were guided to go through what's called VCAT, which is our tribunal. And, you know, you do the right thing. You go in and you say, look, I've got, you know, we are the attorneys. We've uh, never done anything or used the, or used the powers of attorney, but we have a complaint. We didn't know where else to go. And what started as what we thought would be an easy process uh, commenced a three-year battle in VCAT, uh, which is equivalent mm. to your probate courts. And my sister and I realised quite quickly there was competition with us to take over our loved one's life. And it was quite scary. And I saw, I caught doctors, I caught these. Now, the tribunal member, and I always say this, the first member that heard our case, I've always said was an ethical member. I found her to be quite ethical and quite honest and not one to be lied to. Um, I don't know much about her, but um, I, I just said my sister was so fortunate. And there were, in VCAT, there are quite a few members that actually are quite good. Um, mm-hmm. But not knowing guardianship, you think, oh, it's a courtroom, you go in, the truth will prevail, da-da-da. Um, it wasn't the Office of the Public Advocate that herself or any higher up. It was this particular guardian. that Look, I say it, I was so shocked at what she did. Um, how manipulative she was, the wording. Um, and I won't say her name, but I was quite shocked at what I saw. And it was a three-year battle to, to, to fight for a, for a proper, you know, capacity assessment. And this is and what they weren't aware of at the time was I was trained up in capacity for, you know, in terms of um, financial advice. I'd worked in a in a previous um, government organisation, I was trained up to um, read capacity reports and I could see how manipulative um, this particular geriatrician was. And I questioned the report and fortunately, um, and I always thank this member, there were actually two good members that really called up on them. Um, I was fortunate enough for the member to um, seek a second opinion and um, finally we we sought the right... um, the, the correct diagnosis. But then what happened was there was a law firm that stepped in and they tried to outsmart the guardians and the tribunal as well. But luckily the tribunal wasn't having any of that. But that that was um, one of the members that came in. I wasn't really happy with her final result, but I was happy with the determination, but not happy with her commentary. And I, I, mm-hmm. I was just shocked. And I had Maria with me in the hearing and she said, Christine, it happened to me. And I thought, what's going on here? So we started in Adelaide, actually. So I flew up to Adelaide and from Victoria, and we started the organisation in her lounge room. And we met up with wow. other members. Some have come, some have gone. And we met up with all these members nationwide, and it was the same story. You know, a little bit of a decline or a loved one or a child, and bang, these guardians were coming out of nowhere and these 
lawyers and this and these matters were not going into a courtroom. That was the frightening thing. So we started yeah. looking at the constitution of these tribunals and they can ignore evidence under the law and they can act in any way they see fit and they can stop you appealing to a proper courtroom. So we started the organisation um, and we're not political. We're not involved with uh, Labor. We call it, I think it's Republicans or or we're not a political organisation because we're seeing, regardless of which fence, and Marty agreed with us on this, regardless of which side, they all know what's going on. Um, yeah. So it's not a political organisation. It's, it, it's more about a movement to get this going. And there are many mm-hmm. other advocates. They're not part of ASGAR and they're really, really good. Um, and there are many advocates in Australia um, also, you know, trying to expose this, which is, which is great. The more, the merrier. Um, and we, but our tactic now has changed. So as we started off, and it's really, and I think this has happened to Marty and it happens to yourself and to many others, when you start speaking out, it's almost like all these people just come towards you and say, help me, help me, help me get out, help me get, and you can't. It's so, you know, you can't help every single person. So we have to choose yeah. which story we take. So we've now been operating for five years. Um, we're quite powerful on, on Twitter and we've now gone on TikTok and Instagram. Um, we've closed down the, the, um, the group side of things only because the tribunal members and guardians and others were actually referring to posts. So people were posting under their name and we were seeing the posts actually being used against victims in, in the hearing. Oh. So we can't have that. We're going back on Facebook in a few months, but we're going back as an information site. We have a website, we have email, we have a phone line, and we just offer people advice. Look, we don't give legal advice and we're not counsellors, but we're offering them advice that you're not alone. It is real. Guardianship abuse is real. We're not against guardianship. We're not against administration. We understand and respect people need to be protected, but we fiercely believe in least restrictive options and we believe in family rights and, and informal supports and not the state. The state is a last resort. Um, we have seen some good outcomes recently in, in Victoria particularly. Um, the tribunal members in two cases um, we attended, um, the tribunal members made the right decision. They protected the person but allowed them to have their freedoms. In one case a vulnerable person was completely released after 30 years of guardianship, and it was so Ow. good to see. And she, and she said to me, "I'm free, Christine. I'm free." And and it was good to see. Um, she was a slave, a slave to the system. So VCAT did the right thing. There are other people that need limited orders. We've got people that do need guardianship, and they are alone. Um, they've got no one around them, and this, and and you're in a position where they've got no one. And if there's no order on them, and we've seen this as well, strangers, neighbours, we've seen cases where neighbours have come in and changed legal documents on a person dying. So we've got this problem where if they're not under some form of guardianship or some form of order, it's the, which, 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 which way do they go? Because then you've got private people, you know, strangers and neighbours preying on these vulnerable people. So we're looking at solutions where a, people can, a, a person can live safely at home, be, even if they're alone, they can live safely at home with a limited order that protects them. But a system that, like, for example, we've got some really good 
I know we've got some really good accountants and, and attorneys here that work with the person that don't charge them these exorbitant fees and allow them to stay home and live as best as they can because they've got no family rather than the state step in and just take over and they become a number and uh, are locked away and never seen again. So we're looking at solutions like Reverend Ralph. We're looking at solutions. We know the problem, we know what they do and we know that each person there's a different solution for each case but least restrictive options must be met. Like in, in our loved one's case, um, there, is a, there is a conservatorship order and it's needed um, because um, of, of risk and, and that's fine. Um, but there are other, you know, you don't need, you know, you don't need excessive orders, yeah? It's almost like step by step. In other cases, you don't need orders at all. It's just a purely predatory attack on a vulnerable person and in other cases there's a loving family member like a spouse or a child they can step in each case is different and it needs to be in the best interest of that person oh that sounds like the supportive decision making that nasca yes. is really is really wanting to promote all right i have another question when when you guys found marty i still remember yes. marty was so mm. thrilled that People in Australia were listening to her show. Could you tell us all, when did you find Marty? How did you find Marty? And, I mean, the friendship that you and Marty have built, is, it was so, I mean, it was incredible. You were one of Marty's best friends. But I want to hear how it mm -hmm. all began because I remember when you found her and she was, like, blown away that Australia found her. Take it away. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm, Marty, I'm sorry, I'm getting upset. I shouldn't be upset. Um, Marty and I met many years ago, I think around 2018, late 2018, 2019. Um, a wonderful advocate here in, in Australia, her name's June, um, introduced me to Marty's show. She said, um, Chris, there's this wonderful lady um, in America who is, is attempting to expose guardianship Abuse. Now, this advocate was um, um, a, a victim herself um, of guardianship abuse. Her father was, um, and uh, apparently there was um, a professional who, um, I think he was a vet. I'm not sure who was, um, who tried to take over her loved one's affairs. Anyway, so she said, you know, um, watch this particularly. I sent this video. Uh, Marty was a, around a table. It was a whistleblowers conference. And um, she was describing guardianship abuse. And, I, you know, it was a light bulb moment for me. I said, I found my person. I found somebody. I found my teacher. I, I mean, I, I, I always viewed Marty. She was my teacher. She, uh, I thought, I have to meet this woman. I, I really have to meet this woman. So I searched everywhere and I found um, TS Radio and I found the, the email address and I contacted, contacted Marty. And I said, look, Marty, I'm, I'm, my name is Chris and um, I'm a nobody in Australia and we're trying to set up this group and um, could you please, you know, explain to me what's happening in Australia? But she shot back immediately. Marty immediately shot back an email. And it was 12 o'clock in the morning here, so 12.30 in the morning, and we spent five hours on the phone. And oh. like she was my best friend, five hours yes. on the phone. And I think, yes. and, and we were just talking and I just, 
everything. And I said, what's going on? And I, because we were still green, like we still believed that there was a mistake, you know, someone's getting it wrong or we didn't view this as a collusive uh, network of white collar professionals targeting vulnerable people. It sounds, it's like a conspiracy theory. It sounds surreal. It's ridiculous, yes. right? And I'm an accountant <laughs> yeah. thinking, no, that, this couldn't happen. This couldn't happen. And Marty said, listen, you know, in that, that sort of matter-of-fact voice, You've got to get your head out of the sand. You've just got to start to realize this is real. And she just went on about what was happening in the U.S. And it was exactly what was happening in Australia. The difference being this was a state-run system here and a territory-run system compared to what's happening in probate courts in America. So there were little, little differences like probate courts are our tribunals, conservatorship, is our um, administration, guardianship obviously the same terminology. So terminology was slightly different, but the the methodology and and the process was the same. So we were discussing with Marty and we worked out the five steps with Marty. So we said, how is this happening, Marty? I mean, how is this happening? And she said, well, you know, they do this, they do this, and they do this. So we, we broke it down with Marty. It's five simple steps. It's one they identify a victim, there's a trigger. Two, they remove their rights very, very quickly. Three, they isolate, medicate, liquidate. Four, you, you can't get out. You know, you keep complaining and there's nowhere to go and all the doors slam in front, you know, slammed on you. And five, death. So we came up, Asgar came up with our core members, not me. So the core members came up with those five steps. And it's just five steps taking over your life. Very simple. Yeah. And it was because of Marty. We just were able to articulate what she was telling us in five simple steps. So um, we go with that and we explain that to people all the time. And we don't own that. We, we, we tell people, just please, you know, just whoever wants to share it, go, go ahead. We, we don't own that. That's, that's the process. So when Marty, um, we became, we spoke every two, three weeks, and since then, since 2018, and we just spoke often on Skype, and she would update me, and um, um, we just became really, really good friends. And it was more than that. It was a bonding. She was... I, I, I think there were so many similarities between, you know, what we shared. For example, Marty and I both, um, you know, politically, we're not aligned to any party. We just don't care. We're not interested. Um, you know, no, she was not a Donald Trump supporter. She was not a Biden supporter. Um, she said to me, they, they both play, you know, they play the people. And I agree. I agree with that as well. Um, she was very passionate about animals. Um, and she was mm-hmm. very passionate about uh, human rights and particularly yeah. about guardianship. And what really upset me, um, you know, our last phone call just before she collapsed, she she knew it was almost a premonition. She said to me, Chris, she goes, I don't know. She said, I don't think I'm going to, um, you know, survive it the next time. So when I called her up, uh, tried to contact her, she didn't reply, and I knew there was something wrong because she was really quick. She would reply within a day or two, and if she didn't hear from me within a week or two, she'd say, Are you okay, Chris? So we always had this open communication. We were checking up on each other. And that's when I contacted you and um, we knew what was happening behind the scenes. And it's, it's very upsetting because she was 
I mean, she was our leader, right? She was. Yeah. And we had these discussions and, and we discussed and I said, Marty, we're not going to live forever. What do we do? And she said, Chris, promise me. She goes, Cos knows what's going on. And, you know, Marcel and, 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 and Marsha and everyone else, you know, work together. And I said, you have my word. You have my word. We will yeah. work together. And we, we will honour that. I think that we need to honour yeah. her legacy. She is, yeah. um, I don't think there'll ever be anyone like Marty. Never. Never. I think she's, No, we um, will never. We could, we could, we could never fill those yeah. shoes. <laughs> we no. will never fill those so shoes. So that's how we met. And then, that's how we met. And, yeah. Yeah. Now, she was famous in Australia. Wasn't there like, it's like the TV show Current Affair. We have that in the United States. It's kind of like, <laughs> more like the movie star kind of gossipy show. But she was like, wasn't she talked about on the Current Affair Australia well, she she um there was a there was a um an age an, an aged care facility there were allegations of abuse in an aged care facility by a son regarding his father, and um and um, eventually ended up on a current affair, and Marty's program ended up on a current affair with it. Um, oh, it was quite goodness. funny, and she led that. She so she led, so she actually instigated. So current affair contacted me. They'd seen. Um, they had heard the um, the um, his name was Mr D at the time. They had heard the, um, the the podcast and they said we'd like to interview him, and they did. They interviewed him twice, and it was quite a um, it was an expose which was quite powerful, and it, it sort of showed how isolation and 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 aged care and all of that worked. So it was quite. Um, it was quite good. And yeah, and Marty led that. And Marty is listened to um, you know, on Spotify everywhere. And I think Marty's oh, yeah. shows have given us comfort here that we, because we're so far away. No, we're not part of America, but we're, we're far away. Yeah. And, and, and what she has said and what she exposed resonated with lots of victims here in, in, um, in Australia and such a powerful voice. And we worked with her, as you know, and with yourself um, to get those voices out. Now, there is a, a caller, Florence, she's going to call in and, she'll, she, and I'll, I'll, I'll hook her up soon. She'd like to talk about her experiences too with guardianship here. Okay, and, uh, absolutely. She um, assists many of our members as well, yeah. And Marty has led that, 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 that movement here, yeah. She yeah, has. She's she, done. Marty, um, she's wonderful, wonderful work and... Um, Hopefully, cause with yourself and Reverend Ralph and others, we can continue with that. We sure will. And one exciting thing that I want to mention is Marcel Reed has asked that I ask you that you would participate in the Whistleblower Summit that will be happening again this summer. And I know you've done it before. And how ironic that that's how you saw Marty was when she was doing the Whistleblower Summit yeah. and now you're a speaker on the Whistleblower Summit. And we will be, I believe we will be naming the panel after her so that her name, it will never be anybody else's name oh, but Marty and we will always be representing Marty and, and doing this yeah. panel for Marty. Marcel and Marty were such amazing friends and I mean, this this has been tragic, and I, also, I often think when I saw this article that came out, I'm like, okay, Marty's up there now, and she's advocating. And someone had said mm-hmm. to me, I thought this was really cute, someone said, Marty's now your guardian angel. And I thought, you yep. know what? Finally, the good guardian mm-hmm. that Marty was always searching for, 
He's our guardian angel. Mm-hmm. She's the good guardian up there. And we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But she's just the amount of people that I've met because of Marty. Debbie Dahmer was mm-hmm. told by Marty that she had to take myself and Marsha under under her wing. So she, we call her Mama Bear. Mm-hmm. And I knew mm-hmm. who Debbie was, but we I, she had been on the show, but I, we weren't, like, really good friends. And now I have a mama bear that I get messages from every day. Good morning. How is everyone going? Mm-hmm. And she's also on TS Radio Network with her with her animal programs, and Marty had gotten her, you know, taken off or, you know, to take off and do her stuff. But, hey, we mm-hmm. have a caller that has been waiting patiently. Do you guys ready for a question? Mm-hmm. Let's see who this is. And then I have a real quick question. Will I see the person calling in from Australia, or are they calling I'll, in I'll, for I'll your number? In. Oh, okay. No, I'll call I'm, I'm through not... my phone line, yeah. Okay, you'll guide me through. Um, okay, we have a yes. caller at area code 847, and let me see if I can get him through. Area code 847, you're live and on the air. Oh, good evening. This is Dean Salas. Uh, Hi, Dean. How are you? <laughs> I am... <laughs> Uh, today I sent me a message that they're, they're dropping my appeal. Not going to hear it. Uh, oh. So the fix is in, as I'll say it. But yeah. the the lady oh. uh, uh, before Australia, first of all, from Australia, I'd like the list of those five categories. If you, yes. If she would be... Yes. Repeat them, and then the the lady yes. in, in in the suburb. I think it's Kane County. She said, uh, "Yes, I'd like if you would put me in touch with her because what she is talking about, we have tried here and out and out been refused, and the the laws totally ignored. And I I'd like to speak with that lady. Yeah." Her name is Tara Wikowski, and the only way I don't I don't have her phone number. The only way that I know of that you can get a hold of her is you need to go on Facebook and go to Justice for James and send the private message. But but the her name is Kara K A R I and Wikowski, and I think it's like W I T K O W S K I. She is incredible. She's got national exposure. It's the saddest story. I remember when she came on the show, like the next day, I was still thinking about her and James and what was what was done to her. I mean, the Guardian, I mean, her son was murdered. And it's, it is one of the most tragic, tragic stories. And she just really, she's getting laws passed, named after the victim. I mean, She's amazing, and she's right there in King County. The well, only way I do know how to get to, a hold of her. Any, anybody wants um, to see what's going on with uh, the Salas case, it's 07P5360. Okay, and you're in Cook County there, which we're yeah. trying to find more people there in Cook County. There's other people. I mean, the people that you know, I know. And I've been asked to try and help find some more people there in Cook County. I went to high school in Cook County, so we'll see if maybe, I don't know that any of my friends are in guardianship, but I do still know people in the area. So that might that might help. I went to 
several schools in in uh, Cook County. My high school was Amundsen. Okay, I went to Glenbrook North. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Our our children graduated <laughs> from Glenbrook North. Did they really? Wow. I grew up around you. Well, I just was there like three and a half years. I'm from Washington D.C., but we. We were up there for about three and a half years, so we didn't get like I had to deal with snow up there. Now I'm in Wisconsin, but yeah, that was a, a shock for me. But well, thank you for for giving us an update. I'm gonna get back over here. I'm gonna put you back over, and I'm gonna get back over to Chris and see if we have her guest. Chris, are you still there? Uh, yes, I'll, I'll just uh, yeah, okay. connect Florence. Yeah, I'll just connect Florence. Okay. Uh, one minute. Florence, okay. are you there? Hi, this is Florence. Hi. Hi, Florence. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And I have Reverend Ralph here on the line. I don't Good think happy. he's met you before. Yeah. Well, tell us your story, Florence. We definitely, this is one of the most listened shows right now besides, I mean, not, not, not as full as the memorial show, but this is exciting. We have a lot of people listening. Thank you guys so much for coming and participating. And let's let's hear what else is going on in Australia. I uh, have a family member that's been uh, kidnapped by the state control of the Public Guardian, and which is the conservatorship in um, the U.S. And the state control of the public administration, so their finances basically as well. And um, they were isolated, abused. Um, we have another system here in Australia as well called the um, National Disability Insurance Scheme. It's a scheme mm-hmm. for people with disabilities that um, basically it's hurting people with a disability to entice them to get um, funding for themselves and that funding is then used by uh, private businesses who then um, live off the back of people with disabilities with their funding and some of these people's packages um, like my family members grow exponentially because they aren't used for the person um, themselves, they're used for the business to use that person as a yeah. cash cow to get more money. So then they make up all sorts of false allegations of things that the family members and other people involved with this person have uh, allegedly done based on no evidence whatsoever and it gets believed. And in the meantime, the person with the disability, this happens in the aged care and even in child um, protection so-called situations, heard of many mm-hmm. stories of each situations like this. Um, so because I um, have uh, integrity and believe in outing where there's wrongs done, I, um, I've actually been tried to, they've tried to silence me and I've been terrorised for no reason whatsoever with the police um, even chasing me around, jumping over um, <sighs> locks gate in my own property um, wow. and yelling and 
me for no reason, absolutely no reason whatsoever. This has um, been endeavoured to be addressed, but they um, shut shut it all down, tried to deny it, and make out that nothing's particularly happened. False allegations um, have been um, made against myself and others, uh, and also uh, particularly about the family member of things that they have done and behaviours they've actually never never displayed in over 55 years of their life have been um, made that this person is now demonstrating in an environment where they're living with um, end of life, so it's a palliative care situation, which is quite distressing when they don't need to be and never been in an environment like that when people around them are dying. They're non-medicated, healthy, able-bodied person. Um, So it would be a very distressing environment. So I suppose when behaviours like um, paid support workers are put in affidavits, that this um, family member is uh, hitting them, hitting their head on a wall, which... Very distressing. They've never done that in their life. Even when um, living next door to a a man who was actually charged with stalking us, and that was with this person with a disability who was in their 50s, uh, an elderly mother who was in her late 80s, and myself, the carer, this neighbour was charged with stalking. No behaviours were ever, ever demonstrated by this um, family member with a disability during during that time yet in the so-called support paid support um, these sorts of behaviors are are very disturbing and um, nothing gets done about it the family member to to now hide them away has they've actually moved them into state and didn't tell anybody who was involved that had been involved directly in their lives and moved into state, and we don't really know where this person actually is. Oh, my gosh. That's awful. You know what it makes me think when I hear about, like, the behavior being different? And tell me if you agree here, um, Reverend Ralph and Chris, it sounds like it's pharmaceutical because what these guardians do is they they get, they get their, you know, quote, quote, wards on all these different uh, drugs. They want to do what's called a chemical restraint, which is actually against the 1987 Nursing Home Act, signed by Ronald Reagan, which in Montgomery County, that is brought up in court and ignored by um, especially Judge Stanley Ott. It's also um, ignored by your favorite attorney, Jessica White. They don't care about this. But why they do these chemical restraints is because it's a business. And if someone's walking around, they're going to need more care people to walk around with them and watch them to make sure that they don't fall. So they drug up the elderly and disabled so that they can make more money by not having to hire employees to do the right thing and to watch over people and to help people. And these pharmaceutical drugs, they're usually called... um, they usually are given to people more in like mental institutions, but they're giving them to the elderly. And that is why I'm going to guess why you're seeing behaviors that you didn't normally see before. Is there some sort of drugs that they're on in Australia? Are you able to get, do they do medical records? Are you able to get your hands on the medical records or do they do this HIPAA stuff, which is what they do here in the United States? What is it there? Well, uh 
for the family member, the 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 um, tribunal were not did not appoint the public guardian for any health matters, any health related matters, and that's actually also had been confirmed by the tribunals that they had not appointed the public guardian to make any health matters for for this person with a disability. Um, yet I have on record um, and evidence that they were giving her white tablets and she didn't know why. And mm. so, um, mm-hmm. so therefore, yes, they are drug- had been drugging her um, illegally, unlawfully, because they didn't have had any authority. This is the service provider and the public guardian so had been drugging her. Um, even other family members couldn't really find out what, um, wow. what medication this white tablet was. And she didn't know what, what it was. So she had said to me several times, and I've actually got it recorded um, where she did advise me that she didn't know what this white tablet was. It's just so wrong. And, yeah, that's the same in the United States. The, the guardians, they, they do not want the family members to know what kind of drugs their loved ones are on, and they make sure that they call it HIPAA or whatever and that you have no right to even know what sort of drugs your most vulnerable loved one is on because they just run roughshod. And, and I mean, there's so many studies the halidol is what they used for harvey and we found what that was there's a website with the mayo clinic and you can look up these different drugs and it gives you an update so anyone listening if you do find out of a drug that someone is on take that drug google the name of the drug and start reading the different websites especially the mayo clinic and some of the studies that are done on those drugs that's something that anytime even if you go to the doctor yourself and you are prescribed a drug, always, always, always Google that drug and find out what is it that you're actually being given. And especially like with our elderly in, in the conservatorship, they don't, want, they don't want us knowing, and it sounds like they do the same thing in Australia. They don't want people knowing what kind of drugs they're giving to other people, and it does alter the personality. It's very sad. I'm so sad to hear that. I'm glad that uh, we're all working together to bring awareness. Yes, Reverend Ralph. Yeah, hi. I wanted to com- make a comment on that as far as the uh, chemical uh, restraint and so forth. Uh, that Thank is you. something, because of my past experience doing investigations, um, what I, uh, I contacted a uh, company. There's one up in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, called Point Arc, A-R-C. And they do blood analysis and hair analysis and so forth. And they do it for law enforcement or parents to make sure their kids aren't on certain drugs or whatever. And I talked to the gentleman in, uh, who owns that business, and he said that uh, you can do hair analysis. And he said uh, hair grows about a centimeter per month. And he said all you have to do is uh, cut maybe an inch and a quarter hair uh, at, at different places so it doesn't look obvious that the person's got a bald spot now. And you, when you take that hair uh, just a little bit and you put it in an envelope, and, again, people can take it to any place. I'm sure there's many businesses that do chemical analysis for blood or, you know, for uh, probation and so forth, and take it to them. And this one up in King of Prussia uh, charges, I think it's like $700 
uh, or three hundred dollars. It's either three hundred or seven hundred. But they do right. a general analysis of over a thousand different types of chemicals. And I told them specifically about my situation uh, that I was always afraid of something like that happening. And he told me, you know, he gave me details and all. So that is something that uh, if you can't see the actual pill bottle, and let's face it, these nursing homes are very clever in, uh, you know, they crunch up the pill and they put it in a little cup of applesauce or pudding or something mm-hmm. like that. And they tell them, oh, well, it's a vitamin pill. If they should dare ask, oh, what are you giving me? Oh, it's a vitamin pill. It's always a vitamin pill. Yeah. But that's something that people should keep in mind as a possible solution, that if they do think the person is being drugged, and that's something where I've always taken special interest as far as is their speech slurred. Uh, And even asking the person, asking the the victim directly, uh, when they do this at nighttime or first thing in the morning, do you feel different afterwards? Do you feel tired do you feel like you're, uh, you know, kind of dizzy or anything like that? And that's something, again, you've got to ask these people questions, you know, the victims directly, because it might just make them a little bit sharper to be on the lookout if they do start to feel that way. So, again, that is it's something some where excellent with, with, with hair analysis, you don't need to find the actual pill or the pill bottle. And, again, the staff at the nursing home won't tell you. So you might, when nobody's looking, take a little snip-snip of hair and take it to one of those places that do hair analysis. That's such excellent. That's such excellent advice, especially like looking for the difference of how people are acting. Oh, one note thing that I know about is Halidol overdose. Because Harvey was given five milligrams of Halidol daily, not point five. I have the medical records to back up what I just said. Anyway, we had called, they're called a forensic pathologist, and they're the kind of people who do autopsies and everything. So this is very wise of how these guardians are pulling the scam because we had talked about, you know, before he had, he was really not doing well because he was suffering from the effects of abusive guardianship and Halidol overdose. And we had wanted to be ready for an autopsy after he passed away. And, oh, gosh, that's a whole other story where they tried to block that and they were going to cremate him before all, I mean, oh, my gosh, the amount of money attorneys made over that. But anyway, because, anyway, what this forensic pathologist told us is that if you are being overdosed on Halidol, an autopsy is not going to show it. That is why this is their drug of choice. What you want to do is you want to be able to have videotape of the victim because the face is going to look a little bit pulled back like a mask. They call it mask face. And you're going to see kind of almost like Parkinson-like movement where they're just a little bit like jumpy like that, but this mask face. So we do have the videotape, and we were able to get the videotape to prove that there is a Halidol overdose because what would happen if they would once – once the loved one passes away and they've been overdosed on Halidol, if there is an autopsy, all that they would see is aged organs and they would just assume that the the person passed away by old age. So it's definitely a very stealth drug that is going to be the drug of choice for any sort of corrupt guardianship. So everyone does need to be aware of a drug called Halidol. It has a black box warning. 
It said it should not be given to elderly patients with dementia. And the side effect, and this is right at the Mayo Clinic website, the side effect is death. So there we have it. Everyone should really be paying attention to these pharmaceuticals that are being given to our loved one. You brought up an Cause, excellent, an excellent Rev- point on all that. Yes. Cause this is Reverend Ralph. Do you want to mention the person who did it? The Halidol? Yeah. Oh, his guardian? Or her, that would be Deborah Clock, and I'm sure some doctor that was prescribing it, but it was the main contention that when we went to court, it was one of the main contentions when we were asking for her to step down and for us to be able to take over the care of him. And and we had the different attorneys, including your favorite attorney, Jessica White, fighting that a Korean War veteran needed to stay on Halidol, and I have all the court records to back up what I just said, and they are also posted at Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page because I'm not on here telling anything that is untrue. Everything that I am saying, it is true and is backed up on those court records. You know, speaking about speaking the truth, what are the laws in Australia? As you know, so much they say, you know, the United States, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. What are your freedoms? there and are they similar as far as speaking out against these crimes oh we might have lost them oh, oh, no, no, I'm here. no I'm here oh you're here I'm here okay I'm not, I don't know if you I'm not, not sure if Florence um, Florence may have dropped out but um, uh, we're, we're actually campaigning well the ABC is actually campaigning in regards to gag laws um, we have a problem. We, as I said, I, I cannot identify who my loved one is. I use the word loved one all the time. We cannot identify. Um, we have an issue called privacy laws. So they use privacy laws. And we, see, once you're placed under guardianship in Australia, you are owned by the guardian or you're owned by the state. And then they gag the family and then they gag um, all the victim as well. So the victim can't speak out as well. Now, I'm not sure if anyone's on Twitter, but you'll see currently there's a campaign predominantly by the ABC here to revoke those guardianship uh, gag laws. And the reason is the ABC would like to identify victims under gag laws. Now, there is a problem with that, and I understand that, because there are people who do lack capacity, who lack insight, and they may speak out and their reality is not the, the actual reality that's, you know, that's actually occurring. And I understand that angle. But they're using that to stop everyone from speaking. And I think journalists, they're not silly. Most journalists are quite, quite smart um, and um, they can pretty much suss out who they can speak and who should not speak. And there are people that have been placed under guardianship uh, that should not be placed under guardianship and, and would like to speak out. And they have, you know, medical reports to, to prove they have capacity, but they, they're not accorded the right to go back into the tribunal and so on and so forth. Now, it's a sort of a double-edged sword because, um, and I've met many people where um, they do lack insight and they are quite unwell, but the fear of guardianship is so powerful and so real and, and a least restrictive option hasn't been accorded to them. Like many cases, you can see if we just put, you know, protect their assets and their titles are put away and no one can sign them up to new legal documents, they pretty much only earn a basic income or basic pension. 
um, and, and no one's taking advantage of them. They can live their life quite comfortably and safely. They don't need these attorneys. They don't need a, a guardian. When we see these guardians, they actually... I mean, we've got a lady here in Victoria at the moment and she has a fear of heights and her daughter um, wants her to be on the lower level of this hospice facility and the guardian mm-hmm. has used privacy laws to stop me sort of going in to see her and stop me actually... Now the, and the member, in, we went into VCAT a few weeks ago and the member was concerned. She said, look, you know, try and move this poor lady downstairs at least so she can access the garden and, and go out. And there's, no, there's no denying that she needs to, some care. Um, but that the Guardian hasn't done that. Now, you know, it, it's, it's just cruel. She has a fear of heights. She looks at the stairs and she won't go down those stairs and we can't tell her story. We can't identify her because she's under guardianship. So this woman effectively uh. is a psychological prisoner and a physical prisoner because the, the hospice has put her up on the first floor. Um, you know, and, and the daughter's distraught. And I know the daughter wants to, you know, look after her mum. And I think that there's, look, and I think at this point, you know, she does need some extra care. And, and I understand that. But, you know, a simple action like put her downstairs, you know, to move her downstairs and for her to yeah. access the gardens is not really an issue. And yet you're it's fighting very with reasonable these, um, combination. Yeah, a guardian, yeah. you know, 20, 30 kilometres away who has never, I don't think she's even met this woman. So somebody has but, observed your identity who's never met you fighting with the family. Crimes but, against humanity. We have we have one minute left, and we're going, we ha, we have about one minute left, so we're gonna just um, we're gonna have to do this again. Thank you so much, everyone who's been tuning in. Thank you, Kristen Florence and Reverend Ralph, for coming in for coming on the show tonight and spending your Friday night with us. Let everyone know when you can't if you can't hear live. We are on Spotify, iTunes, and all those other um, all those other platforms. Next week, we will have Marcia Southwick of NASGA, the National Association to Stop Guardianship Abuse. She will be a guest with us, and we look forward to catching up with everyone next week. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight. And thank you again, Chris Florence and Reverend Wealth. And everyone have a very lovely evening. Good night. Thank you very much. Good night. Thank you.